Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, which makes this Stuff You Should Know like you didn't know. And if this is your first time, if you really didn't know, welcome to the dark side. <laughs> your life has just forever changed. You are officially addicted. That's right. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I got. I'll take swords for 500, Trebek. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what you said when I suggested this one? Uh, I typed it. Yeah. And I think you thought it was funnier when I typed it. <laughs> I uh, I heard it. Okay. I heard, I heard it in my head. It sounded much like that. Daryl Hammond, <clears throat> Sean Connery. Yeah. Um, Chuck. Yes. Have you ever seen the movie Dazed and Confused? Uh, yeah. In like, fact, I remember the first time I saw that movie. Oh, yeah? Let's hear it. In Athens at the Georgia Theater. Mm-hmm. That was a great place to see that movie. It was. That was wonderful. Yeah. Remember when, uh, whenever they showed, uh, I think his name was Washington. No. The, the, no. Which character? The black guy. I think you're thinking of the Sweat Hogs. That was Washington. Right, but I think his name was Washington too. Oh, okay. I think I'm not sure, but yes, clearly I could just be thinking of that guy because they both had frozen. They were set in the 70s. Right. But. Um, he has that paddle and it says soul pole on it. Yeah. Do you remember like uh-huh. the whole theater just erupting the first time it showed that? Yeah. Oh, it was awesome. I remember I thought Matthew McConaughey was not an actor. Oh, like he was really Wooderson. I thought he was a real dude they just dug up in Texas. Oh, yeah, because that was like the beginning of his career. It's the first thing I ever saw him in. And Ben Affleck. Yeah. And uh, that was just a great movie. Parker Posey. Yeah, well, that, that brings me to my point. Okay. Parker Posey, you remember the part during the beer bust? Where um, Parker Posey's funneling beer through a beer bong. Yeah. And like she's got it for like a half a second, maybe a second and a half, and then bah, it just like pours out of her mouth and all over her face. Yes. At that moment, the first thing I thought of is I'm sure everybody thought as well when they saw that very suggestive part was Parker Posey would be terrible at sword swallowing. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> because it takes a certain amount of uh, relaxation uh-huh. to swallow a sword. And after researching and funnel this article, I found that a sword swallower would make an excellent beer funneler. I haven't funneled a beer in a long time. It's been a while for me, it's too. It's probably good when you're 40 to be yeah. able to say that. I uh, I lost uh, access to beer funnels. <laughs> I think that's kind of what happens. Like, you just don't go to places where there's a beer funnel. No, not anymore. But you can always shotgun a beer. As long as you have a pen and a beer can. I never got into any of that, to be honest. Keg stands, all that silliness. Keg I was, stands I wasn't big I on. I was just like, just, I'll just drink it. I don't prefer being upside down. I've never done a keg stand. Really? Never. It's really, um, you're like, it, you know what it feels like to be torn apart by a gang of angry toughs right. because there's like a couple of guys like <laughs> holding like your ankles and you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're, uh, it's really kind of scary. You're on the edge there. We don't recommend any of those things. No. And while we're at it. This is the ultimate COA. Please, anyone out there, never, ever, ever try to swallow a sword or anything except food, obviously, and beverage. Right, but no food larger than the end of a football. Yeah. Do not, do not, do not try this at home ever, ever, ever. Right. Okay. Yeah. Josh and Chuck officially think you're stupid if you try to swallow anything after listening to this. Or if you participate in backyard wrestling. 
Yes. While it's we're at it. equally dangerous. Yes. All right, so Chuck, um, let's talk about sword swallowing. I'm excited about this one. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um, this is part of our ongoing circus arts collection. Have we already done one? Human Cannonball. Oh, okay. We've got to get tightrope in there, and then we're sure. all set. Well, we need to do, like, freaks, too. Uh, yeah, just sideshow freaks. Or maybe even, like, history of the sideshow. That'd be pretty awesome. Agreed. All right, so um, what other kind of freaks would I have just been talking about? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, the kind you meet on a Friday night. <laughs> have you seen Have you seen that movie, Freaks? Oh, yeah, we've talked about that one. All right. Um, yes, we have. So, Chuck, let's talk about the history of sword swallowing, shall we? Yeah, I was kind of surprised to learn that it started out with sort of religious undertones, mm-hmm. or are they overtones? I think sword swallowing is so ta-da uh-huh. that um, it would be an overtone. An overtone? Yeah, it's not very subtle. Yeah, early on in India, about 4,000 years ago, they uh, kind of the same folks who were doing the fire walking and snake handling to sort of show their oneness with God would swallow swords. Yeah, like they were protected, and they yeah. would be like, "Look what I can do." Yeah, I'm boastful. Yeah, uh, fakirs is what they're called. F a k i r. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, sword swallowing has been around for four thousand years, uh, and there's apparently still a tribe, although I couldn't find um, the name of the tribe, but it's in the Indian state of Andhra Pradesh, and. Um, they apparently still pass down sword-swallowing skills from father to son. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So we know where it came from, and we know it's ancient. It started in India, started to move around the Far East, the Mideast. Um, the typical path things yeah. would follow, China, Japan, Mideast, yeah. Europe. Eventually. Language, civilization. Yeah. It all just followed the same path as sword-swallowing. Uh, it hit Japan um, and China in the 8th century A.D. In Japan, it became part of Sangu- Sengaku. Sangaku, mm-hmm. one of those two, yeah. which is basically like street performance, right? Um, and then apparently it got picked up again later on in India, again, in its, the cradle of it, um, by the whirling dervishes. The rebirth of sword swallowing? Yes, the by, first one. By the dervishes? Right, the whirling dervish. Uh, a dervish is a beggar of the Sufi mystic order of monks. And um, they would kind of whip themselves into a frenzy, hence the term whirling dervish. Uh, and there's a specific order of dervishes um, called the Order of Rifais. Rifais? Man, my Indian's getting rusty. <laughs> uh, and they eat glass, walk on coals, swallow swords. Basically Jim, Jim the original. It's like a revival of the original, the original reason people would swallow swords. Okay. Right? I love it. And then it comes to Europe, and uh, as with all things that came to Europe from the outside, the Catholic Church persecuted yeah. anyone who uh, <laughs> could swallow a sword. Man, fun killers back in the day. And, but that was not enough to kill it. It was basically just a loss of enthusiasm by the public. Um, it, by the 19th century in, in Europe, everybody's like, we've seen this before. We know what's going on. It's all an illusion, a trick, which we'll get to in a minute. All right. Um, but then it hits America. And there's a guy um, from Madras, an Indian man named uh, Sena Sama. And on November 24th, 1817, which will henceforth in the SYSK pantheon of dates be referred to as Sword Swallowing Day. Yeah. 
in New York City at St. John's Hall, for $1, adults could see the first person to ever swallow a sword in the United States. And for a dollar? A, for a dollar. That's a lot of money back then. I agree, but this is a big deal. And you would think it would have taken off right then, but no, it wasn't until 1893 at the Chicago World's Fair that it became very popular in the U.S. Yeah, I wonder what else was big that year. That wasn't the ice cream year, was it? No. No, that was St. Louis. St. Louis. In 1903. Okay. So pre-ice cream, of course, sword swallowers, you know. If ice cream had been around, people would be like, eh. Right. I'd rather just eat ice cream. Right. This was the year that electricity was a big one. Oh, 1893? Yeah, that was the one that the uh, Devil in the White City is set. Oh, okay. I still haven't read that. It's pretty good. But you can wait for the movie now. Oh, is it coming out? Apparently, Leo DiCaprio is playing um, ah, the, the bad guy. Of course he is. Yes. I don't know why I said that. He rarely plays bad guys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Although, he wasn't that good of a guy in Shutter Island. Uh, well, we don't want to ruin that. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> uh, it died out again in the 1950s because of, uh, uh, you know, it was on the carnival circuit, and mm-hmm. I guess all these newfangled rides mm-hmm. sort of took away from the whole sideshow aspect. And then I love how this points out that the, you know, the internet and video games also helped kill sword swallowing. Right. Like, really? Yeah. I didn't know that one had anything to do with the other. It did. It, the internet and video games pretty much killed everything but the internet and video games and TV. Yeah, but now you can research and watch sword swallowing on the internet. No? <sighs> <laughs> that is gorgeous thinking, Chuck. Okay. I'm very impressed with that one. All right, so uh, that's pretty much the history of sword swallowing. There's, I guess, toward the beginning of the 20th century when it became uh, very popular in the U.S., <clears throat> there is also a lot of um, controversy over whether it was a trick or an illusion. And Harry Houdini himself said it's a trick. There's a trick to it, and uh, he wrote in um, his very famous book, The Miracle Mongers, an expose, right, yeah. um, that people who swallow swords first backstage swallow a metal sheath that they slide the sword into. All right, got to stop you here. How, it's You're still swallowing the thing that's just as long, and it's made of metal. I agree. <laughs> okay. And you're pretending like it's not in there. You're walking around talking. All, oh, I know. Yeah. It seems easier just to learn to swallow this. I mean, it's not like, and we'll cover this. Actually, might as well go ahead and say it. The swords that they swallow aren't sharp-edged. No. They are still pointy, but it's not like they're swallowing <laughs> razor blades. I, I get the impression that they're pointy-ish. Well, yeah. A, a dull point, I would say. Yes. But, I mean, that can't be much worse than the sheath, so. Right. I think the sheath think is worse. Yeah. Maybe Houdini was being funny and Tracy Wilson missed that. <laughs> Maybe so. She goes on to point out that the Encyclopedia Britannica says that it's a uh, magic trick as well. And that it's not a, um, it, that it is some sort of illusion or f- hoax or fraud. Mm-hmm. But, really, apparently... The the basis of um, sword swallowing is quite real. Like the person is swallowing a sword. Yeah. Right. So let's. Uh, how how do you do that? <laughs> well, Josh, if you're going to talk about swallowing a sword, then we need to talk about swallowing. And if you're going to talk about swallowing, you got to talk about the GI tract. Yes. Not the GI bill. The GI gastrointestinal tract. It's got uh, a couple of types of muscle. It's got a uh, skeletal muscle tissue and smooth muscle tissue, mm-hmm. little lubrication layer called mucosa, mm-hmm. 
And then uh, skeletal muscle is involuntary. I'm sorry, voluntary. Right. And if you're talking about your upper GI, you're talking about your mouth, your pharynx, and your upper esophagus. Uh, the smooth muscle is involuntary, and they work in concert to help you swallow junk. Right. So the the top stuff is all voluntary. Like you can move your tongue. You can you can yeah. You start off doing it on purpose when you chew and swallow. Right. But then it gets to a certain point past the what is it the upper esophageal um, sphincter? Yeah. That just cracks me up. Once it gets past that, which is kind of high up toward the uh, top of the the um, esophagus. Yes. Then it, like you said, it becomes all involuntary. It's automatic, which makes it very difficult to control anything that happens after that. Yeah, specifically the, um, you know, your epi- epiglottis goes into action because that keeps stuff from going down into your lungs, which right. you don't want. Yeah. Uh, bolus is food is is chewed food and saliva. That's the best word ever. <laughs> bolus. Yeah. B o l u s. And um, <laughs> once you've done all the voluntary action, it does a pretty cool thing. It gets down to uh, the part of your esophagus as the smooth muscle, the involuntary muscle. Yes. And uh, peristalsis takes over. And that's basically, uh, it just squeezes it down like an inch at a time. Yeah, you know how your esophagus is ringed? Yeah. Right? Um, Those rings are little bands of muscle, and then they squeeze just above the bolus. And And just shove it down down there. (laughs) Finally, it gets to the lower esophageal sphincter. And that opens. Like, you have to laugh every time you say speaker. that. That <laughs> that opens, and it, the the bolus drops into the stomach to be digested, and then eventually pooped out. Yeah. So that's what happens. That's swallowing. That's Food. that's life. That is. We life. just described life. <laughs> uh, the, the the trick here, not trick, but on the way down, it passes by things like your trachea, mm-hmm. uh, your heart, your aorta. Which I thought was part of the heart. Well, it's a, it's the artery, the main artery that connects to the heart. Yeah, and I saw the vena cava was also separate. It's the main vein. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that was di- unintentional and as the, well. And the diaphragm is the, uh, the, <laughs> the muscle that moves up and down, which allows us to breathe. And, and we say all this because the sword it's is passing right through there. Yeah, I mean, it takes the same path as your food does. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I Not mean, pretty much, exactly. The, we have our ribs because we've got so many vital organs right there that they need extra protecting. Um, and so we circumvent the ribs when we swallow swords and just go directly past all that stuff, all that soft tissue, right? Yeah, but there's a difference, a big difference here. Di- swallowing food requires a lot of contraction of muscles. And what you want to do when you swallow a sword is you want to relax all those muscles, even the involuntary ones, which is... We'll get in how, in, into how to do that in a minute here. Okay. But it's sort of the opposite of, even though it follows the same path, the muscles are doing things they shouldn't do, aren't trained to do at least. Well, that's kind of the point of sword swallowing. Like if you, one of the reasons we warned you against sword swallowing is because you can't just swallow a sword the first time you try it. No. You you could, but you would kill yourself. Yes. Um, sword swallowing actually takes a lot of practice and a lot of horrible, horrible practice too. Um, you have to train, you have to train your involuntary muscle to work voluntarily, right? Yeah, or to not volunteer at all. That's a great point. By, by, um, relaxing. Yeah. So the, the voluntary stuff, and let's talk about this. 
this is, I guess now we've reached sword swallowing 101. Yeah. The the first part is easy because it's all voluntary muscle. You move your tongue out of the way. Yeah. You open your throat. Yeah. Um, you tilt your head back. You always see a sword swallower tilt his head back. It's intuitive, but at the same time, the reason why is because they're lining up the pharynx, the throat, mm-hmm. with the esophagus so that it's a straight shot. As straight as possible. From the from the mouth all the way down, right? That's right. Um, and then after that, Chuck? Well, you slip the uh, the sword down in there, and it passes through the mouth and pharynx and upper esophageal sphincter into the esophagus itself. And the esophagus has got a little curve to it, so the sword is actually going to straighten it out. And Tracy even points out that sometimes it's nudging organs out of the way as well yeah. on the way down. That's why you usually swallow a sword slowly. And, and the lubed sword as well. Yeah. Uh, and then... Um, lubed so, either by saliva or artificially. Right. Some people use um, uh, petroleum jelly or vegetable oil or something. Whatever your flavor is. So that's how it's done. Pretty cool. That's right. That's pretty much all there is to it. It's, but it, again, it takes some um, tremendous practice. Um, and also depending on the type of the sword, the length of the sword, yeah. you said it was blunted. It's not sharp, still kind of pointy, Yeah. but it's as dull as possible. Um, but the length of the sword is also very important as well. Um, usually from your teeth to the cardia, which is, uh, where basically where the stomach connects to the esophagus, yeah. where your lower esophageal sphincter is um it's about 40 centimeters in the average person yeah okay that sounds about right so if you swallow a sword that's longer than 40 centimeters um you are going to it's going to have to go into your stomach yeah that that's a big deal yeah and what i've gotten is most sword swallowers don't do that um it's not by accident that the sword swallowers swallowers association international mm-hmm. uh defines that length at 38 centimeters that, you know, to qualify. So if it's 40 centimeters, they said, let's make it a couple centimeters short. Right. But this is just the typical person. It could be much shorter. That's just to qualify. I don't know. I thought it had to be that long. No, no. I'm saying your um, the distance oh, to your okay. cardio could be shorter. So gotcha. even with that shorter sword, you still may be in your stomach. But yes, if you just if you get it all the way down to a couple centimeters above your cardia, the SSAI, mm-hmm. it still considers you a, a sword swallower, which I think is nice. That is nice. But, Chuck, um, if you if you are taking a sword all the way down to your cardia, into your stomach, the sword is literally in your stomach. That's crazy. Not only have you relaxed like all the voluntary muscles in your mouth, mm-hmm. you've relaxed all the voluntary muscles on your, um, on your larynx and in your esophagus, right? Yeah. All, all the involuntary muscles. But you've also managed to figure out how to relax both of your esophageal sphincters, the top one and the one above your stomach, so that you can pass a sword through without damaging it. And without, that yeah. is nuts. Yeah. And they do recommend, by the way, um, nothing over 24 inches, 61 centimeters, because at that point you are well into your stomach. Yeah, that's the SSAI again. Yeah, and I guess anything over that, you might go hit the bottom of the stomach. Which you don't want to do. <laughs> also, I want to point out that there is also a long tradition of sword swallowers who juggle 
and often do this on horseback while juggling. Oh, dude, unicycles, cartwheels, they do all sorts of crazy things. So really, to me, just standing stock still Mm -hmm. and swallowing a sword, that's impressive. Have you ever seen The Drop? No. There's this, I don't know if it's a new move, but it's a move where you put it down like halfway and then you move your hands and you let it drop by itself oh, wow. and you actually tighten your, catch it with your esophageal muscles. That is control. Pretty good control. Yeah. Yeah. And they always take it out really quick too, if you notice, because you're, we'll talk about the gag reflex, but you're suspending that and you can only do that for so long. That's why they, you know, you see them do it and then it's like, ta-da, and they yank it back out really quickly. Because they want to live. That's right. Um, well, speaking of the gag reflex, that's one of the things that has to be overcome in training. Yeah, let's, let's get into the reflex thing. Okay, well, reflexes exist outside of the brain. They're actually, um, regulated by the brain stem. I didn't know that, actually. Well, it's how, how somebody can still be considered alive even though their higher faculties are gone because they still have reflexes. It makes sense. I just never really thought about it that way. But, well, uh, may I describe how a reflex works? Please. So basically, you have a, um, receptor nerve ending. Mm that detects, in this case, in your throat, detects some sort of object or intrusion that shouldn't be there. Like a sword. Basically, the, <laughs> the only stuff that should be there is fluid and chewed food, Yeah. as far as your receptors are concerned. But yes, if a sword or any other metal object um, makes its way into your throat, mm-hmm. the receptors are going to figure this out, and they're going to send an electrical impulse to your central nervous system in the brainstem, the, um, in, the uh, integration center. Is what it's called. Yeah, that's kind of like, it's kind of sounded to me like a call center, like literally. I mean, it happens so quick, but it's like, what's the nature of your emergency, sir? Exactly. Like, I've got a sword in my throat. But this is the brain stem, so it's all done on like um, punch cards, like they used to play (laughs) tic-tac-toe in the 70s. Hanging chads. Um, So uh, your your brain stem says, oh, okay, well, there shouldn't be a metal object there. Let's just go ahead and direct the muscles of the throat to gag. And that produces what's called a retch, mm-hmm. and that's meant to expel the foreign object. Yeah. What sword swallowers do is mute or dull this reflex so that it doesn't happen at all. And they do it by setting it off time after time after time. Unbelievable. They make themselves gag <laughs> as much as they can until it doesn't work. Yeah. Which, Which is dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah. And uh, if you didn't get the idea before from the initial COA, sword swallowing is a very, very dangerous pastime profession, whatever you're using it for. I would imagine they're at a higher risk for choking. Choking? Um, yeah, because it, it, the point of the gag reflex is to get that stuff out. That piece of steak comes flying out when you retch it up. Yes. Uh, and Ideally. If, if you don't have a gag reflex, then, yeah, that's bad news. Because that steak just stays in there and you die. You know, I had a friend um, who, when I was in elementary school, his mom got an emergency tracheotomy with a steak knife. Oh, yeah? Yep. God, you always hear about those stories. She had the little scar and everything. Jeez. Yeah. Someone in a restaurant? Doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Gave her a, I mean, a steak knife. Yeah. No anesthesia, no nothing. Steak knife and then a, a straw or a pen. Jeez. Yeah. I've never seen anything good like that happen. I didn't see it happen. Yeah, but I mean, I've never, I'm just saying, I've never seen any, like, awesome life-saving situation. Yeah. I want to be a part of one one day. Just not on the steak <laughs> side. <laughs> uh, so what What other dangers? They actually did a study um, of 
and they they won an Ig Nobel Prize for this study. I found out in two thousand seven. Yeah, and they studied one hundred and ten um, English speaking sword swallowers, and basically just asked them a bunch of questions about their health, and they called it sword throat when they get a sore throat. Yeah, thought that was kind of clever. It is very <laughs> clever. Uh, so throat pain, um, lower chest pain, persistent lower chest pain, internal bleeding occasionally. Yeah, I saw this one lady who was coughing up blood, and they found out that she had like nicked part of her esophagus way down, uh. which I imagine is common. Um, esophageal perforations, like we just talked about. Uh, pl- uh, how do you say that? Pleurisy. 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 Inflammation of the lungs, and pericarditis, which is inflammation of the sac. That protects the heart, and that's in descending order of how often those things happened. Yeah. So everyone gets the sword throat, it seems like, but probably very few actually got inflammation of the uh, the pericardium. Right. They also figured out that um, there was a uh, a trend among sword swallowers where if they had a particularly rough performance, um, the inflammation that would result resulted in further injury. So like they would be okay during the performance, but, you know, they had a little trouble getting it down. But then a day later or something, they they broke their esophagus or something like oh, that. Oh, really? And then also apparently sinus infections are common because you're you're passing the sword with petroleum jelly and whatever <laughs> hair and gunk yeah. it picked up in between the time you put the petroleum jelly on and the time you swallowed it uh-huh. right past the sinuses, which can be sensitive, I can attest. And I imagine a circus sideshow isn't the cleanest area on the planet you i think imagine correctly you know what i'm saying um there's also death is a side effect of sword swallowing from time to time um another british medical journal study cited the death of a man who um swallowed an umbrella or tried to and died my first question was did he accidentally try and open it (laughs) he hit the button it's like uh, tom and jerry yeah totally (laughs) And his body flares out like an umbrella. Right. It's like Tom and Jerry except real life and sad. That's right. Yeah. Um, World Sword Swallowers Day, 2010. What it sounds like is that they gathered sword swallowers at Ripley's Believe It or Nots all over the country. Okay. To do this all at once, to yeah. perform. Um, and Red Stewart, your buddy Red, he swallowed a world record 52 swords at a time. Oh, man. And I don't know if that's official or unofficial Guinness certified, but uh, George the Giant swallowed a 37-inch sword at the Hollywood, believe it or not. Jeez. So that's, they recommend 24 inches max because you're in the stomach. It's 37 inches. That's longer than three feet. That's crazy. Uh, Dan Meyer swallowed a giant straight razor and hedge clippers in Dallas at the Believe It or Not there. Travis Fessler swallowed a sword with cockroaches crawling around it, um, crawling on the sword. And guess where this one happened? (laughs) Where? Gatlinburg. Oh, yeah? Tennessee. Wow. Um, What else? 120-degree curved sword at the Ripley's Believe It or Not in Ocean City, Maryland. uh, I'm just amazed over here. I know. And finally, Mike Harrison at the Orlando Believe It or Not swallowed a sword that was driven down his throat by the discharge of a gun. I don't know how that happened, but wait, what happened? Apparently, it was shot into his mouth from a gun. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd like to see that one. Wow, yeah, that's got to be on the internet. Uh-huh. Which has first killed 
And then now supports sword swallowing. Right. And also Red Stewart, who you mentioned, who uh, swallowed 52 swords at once. Uh, I guess his former record was 25. Um, but before that, this impresses me the most. He In 1977, he swallowed a car axle. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do. Tracy pointed out people swallow dipsticks and other straight metal things. Car axle. Yeah. That's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, that's got to be pretty big around, too. Yeah. And uh, people have swallowed snakes. I found this guy. Oh, that sucks for the snake. Yeah, I think the snake lives. Yeah, but still, he's like, <laughs> well, sure. What are you doing? Well, the snake is probably like, I'm getting eaten by another snake. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, okay, so it's just desserts then. But uh, this dude in the 1840s, Sal- uh, Salamintro, the snake swallower, mm-hmm. he, uh, I have a couple of good quotes from him. Uh, they fancy that it hurts you, but it don't. Or what a fool I should be to do it. I don't mean to say it don't hurt you at first, because it do. For my swallow was very bad, and I couldn't eat anything but liquids for two months whilst I was learning. I cured my swallow whilst I was stretching it with lemon and sugar. And then uh, he learned to swallow. That was swords. Then he learned to swallow a snake and said, uh, The snakes are about 18 inches long, and you must fu- first cut the stingers out, because it might hurt you. When I first began swallowing snakes, they tasted queer-like. They draw the roof of your mouth a bit. It's a roughish taste. <laughs> Apparently the scales, like it's easier going down than it is coming back up. Oh, I could see that. Just the way the scales are laying. I could totally see that. So we don't recommend swallowing snakes either. And I don't know if anyone still does that. That might be a, a 19th century. Swallowing steaks? Snakes? <laughs> Gag. Swallowing oh, no. steaks? I swallow steaks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's not lot. tough. No. Um. Well, I guess that's it. You got anything else? No. Nah. Well, if you want to see some pretty cool images about um, sword swallowing with a strange, like, kind of um, superhero worshipy um, man. He was buff, too. Really, Did you really that? buff, yeah. There was a, there was a period around <laughs> How Stuff Works where, like, comic book geeks, like, kind of ruled the place. Right. And so this was acceptable in some way. Yeah, it was definitely looked different than our other illustrations. Right. So if you want to, um, if you want to see those weird illustrations... And learn uh, as much as you possibly can about sword swallowing. Uh, and the circus arts in general. We have a whole circus arts section. Did you know that? <laughs> I just love you say circus arts. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Any of that stuff can be typed into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And that means now, Chuck, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this blood type follow-up. Uh, guys, I just Googled good podcast and found your name. And I think he was serious. Although I Googled good podcasts and I didn't see anything. What comes up? Uh, there was one article about how to do a good podcast and it was like, enunciate very clearly, uh, stick to the point and keep it short. And I was like, wow. wow we're we're like, way off. <laughs> breaking rules. Uh, so I just enjoyed your latest podcast and have a contribution on the subject of blood type. Uh, to put it simply, the transfusion rate is 60 to 90 milliliters per hour for the first 15 minutes although each hospital has its own policy and an exact rate. Uh, but it, uh, on average, it is 60 to 90. After about 15 minutes, the rate can be advanced to 100 to 120 milliliters per hour. The rationale is that if an acute uh, hemolytic reaction is going to occur, it will happen in the first 15 minutes of a transfusion, and the slow rate keeps the infused volume low. So using a little advanced math to answer your question, it takes as little as... 
16 to 22.5 milliliters of incompatible blood to cause a reaction. Of course, these are rough estimates, but they do give you a hint of how a little bad blood can cause a big problem. Uh, thanks for doing the show. I look forward to going back and listening to old shows, as well as the current new ones. I hope I didn't just make myself look like an idiot. Far from it, Dan. You sounded pretty dang smart. I would say so. Um, yeah, also, it's really weird to uh, to get feedback that quickly. Like, we recorded that two days ago. Yeah. And bam, we've got an answer. I really enjoyed that. We'd, I kind of wish we could do this live, but that wouldn't work. <laughs> uh, we've tried that before. It never does work. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's it. Do you have uh, anything? Do you want to call for anything? Uh, no. Okay. Um, if you have any kind of circus arts background, or your family does, we want to hear about it, because we find that kind of stuff fascinating. Um, also, by the way, black guy in Days and Confused is named Melvin Spivey. Really? I was way <laughs> off, so sorry about that. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can send us uh, stuff on Facebook at facebook.com slash stuff you should know. And you can also send us an old-fashioned email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join HowStuffWorks staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you